Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is Eric Hammerling, who's the executive director for the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Sir. It's great to see you, Pete. Hey, buddy. How are you? What's I'm new? Super. Oh, my God. Well, as you know, like, it's always all about forest, parks, and trails for CFPA. Yeah. And uh, we're at that point of the season where um, it's been a little bit hot out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's the perfect time to go find a nice uh, shady treed uh, yeah. trail to yeah. find your way on. And it's also a time that people are kind of gearing up for the fall because yeah. uh, the fall is the season where we probably have the most people out on the trails, mm -hmm. um, right? We have uh, fewer bugs out yeah, there, beautiful sure. foliage, though we'll see what's gonna happen with foliage this year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of projects that are happening. Uh, we, we've had over the last uh, 11 weeks a great summer trail crew that's been uh, out all over the state. Mm -hmm. um, nine young people all between 19 and 25 uh, taking time to learn about the outdoors. They're camping every week, uh, going from project to project, building nice. bridges, building boardwalks. Um, and making sure that the trails are open and available for everyone. So right. it's, a, it's, it's a busy time for, for all of them. For me, it's a little bit of a downtime because uh, they're no longer in session at the General Assembly right. uh, at the moment. However, oh as you know, it's political season yes. um, and this is an election year, so mm -hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of interest um, oh, in uh, you know, di different uh, politicians talking about their connections to the outdoors and yep. climate and all those issues that people care about. So, right. um, yeah, no shortage of fun that we're no, always having, as you know. No, absolutely not, absolutely not. And what amazes me, especially now in the summer, if you turn on the news, there everybody's reporting about all the parks being filled at capacity. Every weekend, um, <clears throat> it seems, about 25 parks are going to close because yep. they're at capacity. Right. Obviously it's much better to close when they're at capacity than closing because nobody's going, mm -hmm. no one cares about the parks. Right. Um, I, I think there's a certain point at which they're going to have to probably get some additional parking options at a few okay. places. Sure. Um, but people are getting outside and using the parks and that's what it's supposed to be all about. Absolutely. Uh, the parks are for everyone. Yeah. And you know, thanks to the Passport to the Parks program, if you have a Connecticut license plate on your car, you get into the parks for free. And so people are taking full advantage of that. And what better place is there when it's a, one of those hot, steamy weekends yeah. than to head down the shoreline and put your toes in uh, Long Island Sound. Absolutely. And just enjoy our amazing beaches. So Absolutely. yeah, it's really, it's, this is a great time of year. Absolutely. Now, how did the CFPA prioritize the forest and parks and trails during the legislature for the bonding commission in July? Because there was a big bonding meeting. There was, yeah. Well, um, as you know, uh, you know, Governor Lamont has not been a huge fan of bonding. He, he wants uh, the state to be very careful and cautious mm -hmm. with uh, how it uses uh, the, the credit card and how we invest in those important priorities and fortunately at the end of July, July 29th, there was a meeting of the Bond Commission that made some unprecedented investments in the outdoors. Um, $10 million for open space protection, so working with land trusts to try to conserve uh, land. 
uh, $15 million in state park infrastructure, which is all about, you know, fixing up those places that are getting a lot of people going to them all the time. And one of the big projects that's getting some significant funding is a rehab project at Rocky Neck of uh, their CCC uh, pavilion, which is a beautiful building, mm -hmm. but it's fallen to a little bit of state of disrepair. So there's work okay. that needs to be done there. And then in addition to all that great uh, investments, there was $9 million for recreational trails and greenways, which is the largest um, infusion of funding for that grant program, which works with uh, CFPA and many other organizations out there that are doing uh, municipalities that are doing great work on trails. This is a way to fund those critical projects that help to rehab and connect um, and get people outdoors. So uh, it was a huge bonding uh, commission meeting and we're really excited about some things that are going to actually have some funding to be able to um, you know, get people outdoors and do all the work that needs to be happening. So th this was a, a, a wonderful bond commission meeting, and I don't say that very often. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm assuming you were there. I was uh, watching it remotely. Okay. Um, and it was really, it was exciting because I think there is a recognition that, you know, people have been getting outdoors at record, record numbers during the pandemic. Right. Uh, it, we're still in one, by the way. Right. Um, and, it, you know, it still is one of those uh, things that we can all do for our health is to get outdoors, get a little bit away from uh, all the craziness of our lives and recharge. So it takes money to take care of those places. We certainly know that at CFPA. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're really pleased that the governor has uh, made that investment because the bond commission only meets when the governor says we're going to meet. Uh, the governor is the one who sets the agenda. So we think there's some really good stuff uh, that they've moved forward. I didn't realize that the, that the bond commission only meets when the governor says we need to meet. Yeah. Oh, and, and in I fact, I never knew that. Yeah. Well, and also the bond commission does not meet if the governor says, you know what, we're not going to meet. And so. Uh, it, you know, it used to be uh, years ago that mm -hmm. you could kind of count on a bond commission meeting almost once a month. Right. Um, the last few years, it's just been you know just a few meetings each year. Right. So again, that that they met in July and that they made these investments uh, and these commitments for the future is really exciting to us. Now. I believe at Hammonasset in Madison, they have a Greenways Trail. They do. Let's talk about it. What is it? Sure. So the Shoreline Greenway Trail goes right through uh, Hammonasset. It goes uh, to Guilford and through Branford. Um, it's a biking trail okay. uh, that uh, a lot of people are using. And it's really, you know, with biking trails, in some instances, you just need to, you know, paint some dotted lines on an already paved area. Right. But often, uh, there is a need to construct new areas of trail or even acquire land to keep a trail connected. And they've been doing that in the Shoreline Greenway Trail. So it's become a great asset uh, in this uh, part of Connecticut, and we're, we're happy to see them thrive. Absolutely. Now, you guys did Trails Day, last time you and I were together. How did that go? It was fantastic. You know, Trails Day every every year yeah. is that first weekend in June. Right. And uh, this year, June 4th and 5th, happened to have the most incredible weather we've had all year. 
And so people were outdoors in great spirits, and um, we estimate about 6,000 people participated in Trails Day all around the state. There wow. were um, about 200 um, events happening all okay. around the state. And, you know, it's an opportunity for municipalities, for land trusts, for, uh, you know, CFPA, mm -hmm. um, uh, for, you know, uh, AMC, for lots of other outdoor groups to use that as a great opportunity to attract people and get them outdoors. We are also really excited to be working with uh, some partners who are really focusing on making sure that people of color are connected to the outdoors and uh, Latino outdoors, okay. uh, outdoor Afro. Um, we're also um, participating in Trails Day and getting people outdoors, and we, we love to see that because the outdoors are for everyone. Right. Uh, there have been historical obstacles to people of color to access the outdoors mm -hmm. equitably. So, you know, that's something that is really important for our future and, and for today. So we were excited that this year uh, there was a lot of great energy there as well. Now let's also talk about the Passports to the Park program. Well, the Passport to the Parks program is something that we all contribute to. Right. Um, you know, every time we uh, renew our registration on our vehicles, mm -hmm. we pay a little extra. It's $5 per year per vehicle. Um, and that collectively between all of us who register our, our vehicles in the state uh, adds up to about $20 million that helps to support park operations. So you know, when you go to the park and you see a seasonal park maintainer out there, you know, yep. making things look nice, you know, cleaning, uh, you know, uh, bathhouses and all those things that have to happen <laughs> to mm -hmm. keep a place in good order, uh, that's paid for by the passport to the parks. And in return for each of us making that, you know, relatively small investment, right. we all get access to state parks for free. There's no longer right. a, a charge at the gate for mm -hmm. Connecticut residents. And it used to be to go to a place like Hammonasset or Rocky Neck, yeah. you would have to pay $13 uh, for oh, wow. one visit. Wow. So compare that to $5 per year and you get full access to all the state parks and help to keep them maintained. So it's a great program. It uh, just started in, in 2018 and we hope it will be uh, in place for a long, long time. Absolutely, absolutely. So what else is CFPA up to? Well, uh, right now there's of course a lot of interest in climate change. Yeah. Um, and when you think about uh, climate change, one of the things that people uh, often uh, gravitate to is thinking about uh, trees and right. you know because trees um, are really important to soak up uh, carbon mm -hmm. as, as they're growing uh, and store it uh, right. in, in their uh, wood and uh, that's one of the things that we can do to try to do something about climate change is to make sure that we have healthy forests in place um, one of the ways to make sure that that happens is to actually acquire land um, right. and make sure it stays as forest. Sure. Or when people are developing land, encourage them to do it in a way that's going to be as compact as possible so as much uh, forest as can be connected, uh, protected is protected. Okay. Speaking of trees. I have a feeling you know where I'm going with I, this. I think I know where you're going with this. Uh, so, okay, there is, um, there has been <laughs> science uh, done over the last several years okay. about how trees communicate 
with other trees, and it's absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, okay, well, tell us. And so, some of this, um, you know, is attributed to a phenomenon often called the wood wide web. Okay. Um, because it's a connection underground uh, between trees. It's actually um, these fungal mycelia that are connected. It's like a web. It looks uh, like uh, the internet would look with wires, but underground in a forest. And it's actually a way that trees can communicate things to each other. For example, um, if you've ever wondered why oak trees uh, drop acorns at the same time, okay, right? Yeah. It's not like you just have one tree dropping them here and another tree. Right. Uh, it's actually a survival strategy for oaks to drop all of their acorns at once so that they can sw uh, swamp those uh, insects and uh, squirrels and other things that eat acorns and be able to get some um, to make it through. Um, and actually become oak trees of, of the future. That's done because these trees are communicating with each other to say, here's when we should drop our, our acorns. There you go. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, there's actually uh, been studies done in Africa about acacia trees and how they can make themselves less tasty to giraffes. Okay. And the way that they do that is they actually emit uh, a chemical into the air um, and they will, if one acacia tree is being uh, eaten by a giraffe, nibbled on, um, they will let other acacia trees know that uh, this is a good time to not be tasty for giraffes. So they will actually they change go. their composition, become more bitter. Um, and it, it's interesting how evolution works because giraffes have also found out that they know that this is happening. So they make sure that as they are approaching acacia trees, they do it from uh, downwind rather ah. than upwind because they know that if they do it from upwind, uh, they're going to be coming to trees that uh, have already gotten the, gotten the message that go. they should be not tasty. So there are all these, and hmm. one more thing <laughs> about the, no, the wood wide web. Uh, they not only can they communicate with each other, they can actually share resources. And this is a pretty neat thing. Really? They can, uh, trees can through networks underground share phosphorus, phosphorus, carbon, nitrogen, other, um, you know, basic uh, uh, minerals mm -hmm. so that th if you have a, a tree that has plenty of those, those minerals and it sees another tree, well, sees yeah. <laughs> another tree that might need those, it can actually share those resources underground. And I think that, you know, the more and more people, people learn about forests, the more they understand that it's not just a collection of trees, it's actually a network of trees um, that are connected to each other. And um, I'm sure we'll talk some other time too about the wood wide web and well, some new right. things that they're learning because there's a lot of research being done on that fascinating subject. Absolutely, absolutely. Eric, would you mind sticking around for another segment? I'd be happy to. We'll be right back. Hey, Bobo, do trees tell each other stories? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, why don't we go find out? Listen. Do clouds take naps? I couldn't tell you. Dad, do stars visit their friends? Look! 
You know what, guys? There's a lot of tree branches and dry brush over here. We should probably move the bonfire over there. I'm guessing Smokey liked that idea. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Bizzetti Show. I'm Pete Bizzetti sitting here with Eric Hammerling, who's the executive director of the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Sir, welcome back, buddy. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, with you, me Pete. too. Me too. It's been a, it's been a while since we've done this. So let's see. What did we talk? We talked about trails days. Let's talk about trails in general. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that we spend a lot of time thinking about is are the trails that are there today right. uh, in the right place? Okay. And you, you would think, well, if a trail is there, well, that's where it should be. But ac actually, um, our thinking about trail sustainability has changed quite a bit over time. It used to be, back in the old days, right. um, that the way to have a trail is just to go as quickly as you can from point A to point B. So yeah. straight up the hill, straight down the other side, you know, the, sh the quickest path is the best path. But we actually found over time that those are also the places that will erode more quickly mm -hmm. and uh, aren't particularly sustainable. So you'll see more and more thinking about and more work being done to help trails kind of move on the contours of the, the land and be in a position where they'll actually be sustainable um, and that after each storm and uh, each weather event, yeah. we don't have to come up with a new way to think about our trails because they actually will um, maintain their shape and be much more uh, sustainable if they're designed the right way. Right. So there have been a number of projects that, that we've uh, been participating in over the last few years where we've said, you know what, where this trail uh, is, uh, needs to be changed and sometimes it even involves moving it onto some uh, different property in different areas uh, to make sure it's going to be there for the future so right. uh, trail you know um, trails are always changing um, now we do have some great online resources okay. uh, so that people can uh, find out where sure. they the trails are and how Absolutely. to get there and you know, we always encourage people to go to the interactive uh, map mm -hmm. that we have on our website. Uh, basically, you can find uh, parking areas and trailheads for all of the Blue Blazed hiking trails, almost 900 miles of trail all around the state in about 96 towns. So oh, wow. there is a lot of different places that people can go and we wanna make sure that they get there um, safely and um, once they hit the trail too, one of the neat things about this uh, interactive map is you can turn on the GPS on your phone if you're out uh, with, with your phone and you actually can see a red dot on the map of where you are. So really? it makes oh, it cool. um, you know much easier to find yourself on the landscape. Hopefully it also means fewer people will get lost. Right. Uh, I mean, the, the, the blazes are right there on the trees to follow. Um, but sometimes when people are in a, a conversation um, or whatever, we'll right. lose track of where they are. And this is a way to uh, both help you get into the woods and get out of the woods as well. Now let's talk about the Blue Blaze hiking trails. Well, the, the Blue Blaze hiking trails, they're called the Blue Blaze hiking trails because the 
uh, blaze, the painted uh, blaze, about the size of a, a dollar okay. on a tree, is uh, is blue. And interestingly enough, uh, there was back in the 1920s a famous experiment that was done of you know what is the right color for uh, trails to be blazed if you want people to see them late into the evening. Right. And uh, I think a few beers might have been involved in this experiment, okay. but a number of um, you know, pieces of wood were painted with various colors of paint. Okay. Um, and some people, again, I think tipping a few uh, beers, um, w you know, looked across <laughs> all of these different blazes said. and said, Hmm. And, and they all agreed that the blaze that they saw latest into the evening was that light blue okay. that uh, is the now, it, it, for a period of time, it was called CFPA blue in okay. various paint stores. There you um, go. But uh, that, you know, we've been using that, uh, that shade of blue ever since. Okay. And how are you guys doing from the start of the pandemic to where we are now? You know, right now, uh, I think with a lot of different organizations, they saw um, a great uh, groundswell of interest during the, you know, the beginning of the pandemic in mm -hmm. uh, 2020, 2021. Um, we, we still see a great uh, interest in people getting outdoors. Um, however, you know, things are changing, right? right. And I think there's a, a, a real interest in um, the public of doing lots of other things that it has been really restrained in doing yeah. over the last couple of years. And so, you know, we, we always wonder, you know, will people revert uh, to pre-pandemic or will they stay connected to the outdoors? I think it's it's too soon to tell, but, but I can certainly say, you know, this year, uh, we've seen a lot of people outdoors, a yeah. lot of people on the trails, and we're hoping that some of the good habits um, that were built during the pandemic will, you know, stay with a lot of people who will keep going out on trails, getting their families out, um, and having a good time. Absolutely, and I believe probably once the weather gets cooler, people will still get out and go for a walk and find a nice hiking trail to go get lost in. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, you know, I, I really look forward to the fall. Yeah. Because that that's when I want to be outside. Um, not only is it, you know, beautiful weather from, uh, you know, you're not too hot, not too many bugs, right. you get the beautiful foliage. But for me, it's also football season. Ah, so absolutely. like I have the extra, um, energy uh, that, that I have to get out probably either before a game or after a game, depending. <laughs> right. um, and, you know, for me, that that's when I really connect to the outdoors. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure things quiet down in the winter for everybody that's involved with the forests and parks and all the different aspects of that. That, that way it goes, but I'm sure there's still maintenance and stuff that you have to do oh absolutely once the season quiets down oh yeah for sure well you know on one hand uh the winter is when we do a lot of our planning for yep. you know the spring uh through the fall because uh, uh, but then we also have a good number of storms that happen during that time uh, that yeah. we have to respond to um and we there actually are a lot of people who prefer hiking in the winter Right. Because, you know, there aren't as many people around. They still don't have the issues with, you know, getting sweaty or uh, getting right. buggy. Um, and you can have a little bit more of a remote uh, experience when, uh, you know, you're out there on, on your own. 
also a lot of the uh, trails lend themselves really well to snowshoeing mm -hmm. and other you know uh, cross-country skiing yeah and so some people really look forward to the winter to have that that extra special experience but yeah the tra trails are open year-round um, and I I at any time of year you're going to find people out there who th will swear that that's their favorite season absolutely now is snowshoeing as hard as it seems I don't think I could do it because I got two left feet oh you could do it <laughs> you as long as um, <laughs> you I I'd definitely recommend getting some walking poles okay yeah um, when when you give it a try and okay. that will just help you be a little bit uh, stable there but yeah imagine walking with um, you know uh, tennis rackets attached to your your feet yeah um, it does help you um, to you know stay on top of the the snow right and uh, even gives you a little bit of traction and, oh, and I, I really like it um, in some ways you'll you'll be more steady on your snowshoes than you would be if you just were in your boots Really? Um, yeah, going through the snow. So yeah, give it a try. I, I cool. I have a couple pair of snowshoes. You've shoes. done it. I, okay. I will uh, right. happily lend them to we'll you. We'll have to. You we'll, and I will have we'll to get out this winter. It. We'll have to go and hang out. And Why not? Sure. Let's we do could, it. We could do that. Yeah. That would be that would that would be fun. That would oh, be an cool. experience. That would be an experience. And isn't that what life's all about? Absolutely. But if we've got a little bit more time left, if people want information on the CFPA, where can they go? Well, the best place to find out about us is on our website, which okay. is ctwoodlands.org. Yeah. Um, and you can find out ways to volunteer with the organization, to hopefully join. Um, to learn about the trails and the various things that are going on. And during the legislative season, you'll see lots of content there for me. Um, there you because go. there are many ways that people can get involved to protect forest parks and trails. Absolutely. Eric Hammerling from the Connecticut Forest and Park Association. Thanks for some time. We'll see you again soon. My pleasure. You I look it. forward to that. Thanks, buddy. On behalf of Eric Hammerling, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night. We'll see you next time.